Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome everybody to All Nest, the Irish Examiner uh, basketball podcast. It is 2023, episode 5. Uh, Kieran, you're very welcome. Uh, did you have a good Christmas and Happy New Year, first of all? Yeah, thanks, Connor. No, great. Had a, a winter break there. I, we, we were away in the Canaries for a week, but back into it now. And first weekend, full weekend of the year, we're straight in down to Cork for the for the cup semi final. It's um, you're 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 part of it. You're you're playing at half twelve in, in Glenmire. What what um, did you take over during the Christmas? Did you have a few training sessions or what? Were you uh, yeah, we uh, we had like one or two, but uh, it's. It's slightly different uh, with the NICC than it is at Super League level, but at the same time, it still has the. I think it, the best thing always when you're involved in the cup is that once you get through Stevens Day, you're kind of like right, you have something really exciting to look forward to, and you're getting back into it. You're excited to get down and train and different things, and it all feels a little bit different because usually for like Super League teams and things, they might even get some trainings during the day rather than kind of having to train at whatever, seven, eight o'clock at night at the end of each day and everything else. So people just, uh, for a lot of people, once Christmas ends, you're kind of like, oh, we're facing into a bleak kind of January. But for basketball people, it's, uh, and particularly people involved in the Cup, it's uh, it's amazing to have this thing straight away uh, to start the start the new year. Yeah, and look, it's it, it was one of the things that basketball identified, and I suppose was the appeal of the Cup, where they identified January was a dead enough time in the Irish calendar, Irish sporting calendar in general. And, you know, that's that's been the tradition. I think your, your, your own father was president at the time when that decision was made in 83, 84. And we now have it that, um, like, you're heading down to Cork. We were just saying just before we came along that, for Connor, for yourself, you were part of that first cup semi-final weekend that when it went back down to Cork. So... We were just saying in the last podcast, it's 30 years since the arena opened, which meant the cup went from Neptune to the arena. And that was the case. Um, historically, we, we had it for the first up until 2006-07, where the cup semifinals and finals were all played in the one weekend. Then it was staggered, um, which we have now. Um, first of all, what did you, as a player, is it much better to have the semi-final and finals on separate weekends to have that two-week break as opposed to 16-hour turnaround, which it would have been for the first 20 years yeah. or so of the cup? It's uh, look, I haven't played both ways, so it's hard to uh, hard to say. But I, I think from a pure basketball way, yeah, it builds the anticipation, the expectation. Like the couple of years that we got to the cup final, the even the the two weeks in between the semi final and the final, the whole club's getting you know, like buzzing about it. You're talking about tickets in a way that you don't normally do, and it's hard to drive that in the same way for if it's all over one weekend. But 
I remember as a kid going up to the arena because dad was so involved and I basically lived off hot dogs and uh, just sat in the seats by myself watching the games the whole weekend in the kind of mid nineties and loved it. So it's, it used to have a special thing that whole and a little bit more probably cup craziness probably came into it in those one weekends. Cause you never knew what mm. happens that one team would have an extra day's rest as well, because some people played on Friday night rather than Saturday and injuries and all these sort of things could happen. So it takes a little bit of that out of it, but I think it builds the anticipation and it's, it is probably better overall. Yeah, I, I, I think they've hit on a great blend now because as you said, that was the way it was the semi-final and final. I suppose it helped television at the time, RT, that it was just the one weekend. So you had the Friday night, the Saturday night um, games, and then the Sunday showing, obviously the final showing live. And, but then they found, as it went into the noughties, they wanted to have more packaged stuff packaged, let's say, for, let's say, the final, um, and that they didn't have enough turnaround time to do that. And I, I just think as a weekend, it lacked something for those few years. But then what happened was in 2010, it was the 25th anniversary of the, of the arena being opened, or sorry, the Neptune Stadium being opened and the first cup being held down there obviously and that coincided with you know the famous Strickland on the buzzer game and that uh the fact that the two of them Neptune and Demons were drawn in the semi-final it was it was a bit of a nostalgia kick rafters had just come out that Christmas and there was just this sense that well it doesn't make sense for it to be anywhere else and so the semi-finals were moved down to Cork that weekend, and it was a classic game. Uh, Demons won in the last minute, and it was a, a sensational game. You were playing in the game before, Connor, against um, yeah. Calester, who would win out that cup. And you, you, you'll remember that the atmosphere in the hall, in the stadium. Yeah, that, uh, it was uh, it was crazy because one of the things there's a great picture actually in um, in Neptune Stadium when you come out of the changing rooms and you're going out that kind of fire exit that's in between the bar and the changing rooms, there's a picture from that uh, game. I'm pretty sure it is. And uh, it was, they, they put in additional seating behind the benches. They had uh, tiered seating behind the benches as well. So there's a, a couple of rows there. There's rows in the back. And uh, I think it was before, I can't remember if it was before they kind of redid the office area up in the... Oh, no, no, the just was, yeah, that was, that was done... Good bit oh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was, uh, it was just jammed. And one of the things I, I think we were talking about it a few weeks ago with to do with the streaming, um, where we were seeing stuff that we had never seen before. And that was the first, my first ever introduction into a Neptune Demons Derby. I'd never seen it before, I'd only ever heard things about it. And uh, we were in a pretty bad mood after just getting whooped by Calester. Uh, but it was still kind of just looking around the place going this is so alien to everything that we kind of experience on a week to week basis. It had a magic about it that um, I think captured everyone's imagination and uh, just about the weekend in, in general, it's uh, well, two things about it. One, I had played in, um, we played in a semi-final against Tralee in, oh, I'd say 2007, eight, I don't know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which was televised because Orti used to still televise even when it was split over two weekends. And um, I remember one or two of those, like that game against Chile was good, but it was half empty National Basketball Arena. Um, I remember Hoops played uh, a, a cup semi final one of the years, and 
there was maybe 200 people in the arena on national TV and it was kind of, it, it was so far away from what it's kind of become over the last couple of years. And yeah. I think, I think the big part of it, and again, it wraps into what we were talking about just before Christmas is that Castle Island have this community feel within their own community. Whereas the national cup semi-final weekend is probably the standout weekend in terms of the basketball calendar of the whole basketball community being in one city at the same time, there being everything from under 18s to intermediate to super league, everything's happening at the same time. And there's nothing like it in, in our calendar. And it, it's yeah. definitely been an amazing success. No, I think it's, it's really worked well. It, it's, it, it keeps like, we get that balance of the two week gap and yet it's a festival, as you said, like, cause in Cork and I, I think it was huge for the cup. And I think it was great for Cork because there would have been that sense of alienation of, you know, there was the two to one Americans in 88, 89, and then the cup going up there. But I, th I think now the fact that it has this weekend, there's Cork is the weekend because you said in those few years, those interregnum years, people were hedging their bets. Which weekend do I go up to? You know, go up to the arena twice? Do I wait for the final? Whereas now, yeah, we're going down to Cork. And then there's a novelty to going up to the arena two weeks later. So it's the best of both worlds. Um, we mentioned that it was Neptune and Demons. That, that I think they met in three of the first four years of that weekend. Neither of them made it through. Uh, but Emporium, Ballincolly, Cork have made it through. So there's a Cork interest in this, which will help uh, Neptune be pretty packed um, on Saturday. We're delighted that Adrian O'Sullivan is joining us um, on, on the podcast. And um, obviously, um, Connor, like that, that game is going to be a standout game, the, the Emporium Cork. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably the the Super League game uh, or the men's game anyway. Of the two games, it's the one that uh, I think everyone's excited from a neutral perspective to see. Uh, it's two teams who are excellent. They have a kind of history against each other, even from National League over the couple of years when they're both trying to get back up to uh, Super League at the same time. Sure. They they then have carried that into uh, now, and they. It's exciting for, like, Aina are a standalone new club. They're not Denny Notre Dame of the past. So it's effectively two teams who've never won the Cup before, who are both really excellent teams, who have an opportunity to to book a place and and have that opportunity to win their first ever Cup. So um, it's one that I, uh, I certainly think are probably the form team in the country. They've, uh, they haven't lost since October. Um, and yet Ballincollig are going to be, I think there's going to be an excitement around uh, them coming into it that uh, could lift them, and particularly in Cork. So um, look, we'll, we'll bring on uh, Adrian O'Sullivan, who obviously is playing with Emporium Cork basketball. He has a uh, history of being in the competition. He's kind of been there, done that um, with, with demons in the past. But Adrian, you're very welcome. Um, it's an exciting week to be uh anytime i used to talk to kieran o'sullivan your brother obviously he used to look at our marion teams and kind of be like it would be it would be so different if if we got the opportunity to play with our family club and try and try and win something big so just how is it uh in this kind of big week leading up to the cup semi-final weekend uh hi lads how's it going um it's great to be here so thanks million for having me um yeah look i suppose you know the way um you know what it's like to play at your family club and you know attempting to be successful uh, and all that so 
yeah, look, it's um, it's really really exciting. You know, I've I've played in uh, Cup State finals before with with Blue Demons. Um, but yeah, looking back home now, and there's a real family feel to it. Um, so you know, there's nothing more you want to do than win with the people that you grew up with. Um, you know, so training's going well, and we're just very excited now. And it's you know, it's our first time, obviously, as a club. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all going well. It's just very exciting. And Adrian, like Connor mentioned, that while the the club itself hasn't a, a cup pedigree at super league level individually you do and and kind of reference there just your own involvement with demons and we're on about great cup moments so like a standout for me is a friday night yourselves in Kilester when they were at the zenith like it was demons Kilester going at each other for six or seven years um your and, and i remember you winning that game on the free throw line what what what, what is your own memories of playing because you would have grown up, your family are steeped in the sport, you know, like Francis is one of the great contributors and obviously your mother Grace as well. But for someone who grew up being appreciative of cup history and maybe seeing old games back, etc. But then to be part of it and, and, and to be in that moment, like t talk to us about now when, and, and what it was like in the moment and now being able to have that perspective off, let's say, a game like Kilester and yourselves where it was jammed on the wire, yeah. down to the wire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, I suppose a bit like Connor, I um, I kind of grew up around the game. Grew up sitting in the stands watching uh, watching all the greats playing. I remember my first my first real national cup final experience was when um, I think it was two thousand and three, two thousand and four final when Shane Collin hit two free throws against Neptune. Um, so I was actually standing behind the basket in between my mom and dad where Shane hits two free throws. And um, ten years later, then in two thousand and thirteen, I won my first cup in my first year of Super League. Um, playing with Shane, so that's always been one that definitely stands out to me. Um, I was very lucky to come onto the team that I came onto. Uh, you know, Colin obviously Colin O'Reilly came back from um, from his from his couple of years away. Um, you know, Kyle was there, Kieran was there, Neil Murphy, Carlton Cuff. You know, we had Lamont Colbert, who was um, in my mind one of the best Americans that's come into the into the league in the last 15, 20 years. Um, so look, I was just extremely lucky to to be coming into the team and I was just like a sponge those first couple of years. I was the, uh, you know, come off the bench, run up and down the sideline, play defence, shoot the open shot. There was no pressure. Uh, so I was very, very lucky to be on that team. Um, but yeah, that, that Friday night against Clester, it's definitely another one. Um, what I was doing on the court at the end of the game, I think Shane might have been fouled out maybe. Um, so yeah, I was, they, Clester had the ball with about, I'd say it was about six seconds to go and I remember Kieran O'Brien, the ball fumbled, got fumbled to him and, he shot a shot or whatever, and I got it rimmed off. I got the rebound, and they whatever it was 50 50 ball, and I actually got fouled on the 50 50 rebound. Um, missed the first free throw, we're down one, missed the first free throw, scored the second one, and then it goes into overtime. Um, and we win the game in overtime. But yeah, I think, uh, Kyle, Gee, what and, was it just on that, right? What was like you had to make the second one. What, what yeah. was going through your mind at that moment? Um, How do you approach I, it having I, missed the first? I can't remember, I can't remember what I was going through because. There was um, obviously there's a lot of people there that knew exactly what was going on, but you know there's probably eighteen hundred people in that you say at the time. So there's a couple of people that don't, you know, that might not know exactly what's going on. So I, they're on team fold. So obviously I, I have to go to the line, even though it was a fifty-fifty rebound. So I got fold, and then like it's underneath our basket. So I have whatever seventy feet to walk. Where it's like an age and uh, John McHale's on the on the mic, like an age or so. I was going to the line for two free throws, and I'm like. 19, 20 years of age, like crap, like this is like, this is Colin O'Reilly's legacy here. This is <laughs> Shane Colin O'Reilly's legacy. If I don't make this, like I'll never hear the end of it. Uh, so the first one rimmed out and then I 
I don't know, I took whatever I did my did my routine again and it just I don't know, it fell, I went in, but I think it was easier to be in my position than it was to be in my own mom and dad's position at at at, uh, at that moment. Um but yeah, def- definitely a great memory. Definitely a great memory. It's uh just I was I was in the Demons crowd in 03 as well, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wearing a blue T-shirt that uh, they had all the T-shirts given out. Myself and uh, Dave Murphy standing in the middle of the Demons crowd because Dave good. was the one I used to house with every time for Irish national teams. Yeah, 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 excellent. But, uh, yeah, Adrian brought up some bad memories, Kieran, for me during the week, which <laughs> oh, I'm pretty unhappy yeah. about. I knew that, this was going to come on. <laughs> So Adrian had a, a takeover of the Sideline Live uh, Instagram account during the week and he was asked one of his favourite cup memories. And I was going through my day, having a great time, uh, enjoying work, everything else, to see what Adrian's up to on cup week and then suddenly click on to one of the worst memories of my life. And uh, Adrian... So they gave you a fairly good hammering, was it? In the... No, it was... It was the week previous. Yeah, one of the most bizarre, bizarre situations. Go on, Adrian, yeah. you, you explain so this it. Was the, when we played Cholester on that Friday, that was the semi-final. Um, and the quarter-final that year and the year after, I think it was only two years they did, Connor. It was yeah, um, I think so. at the quarter-final stage, Kieran, it was the first leg. So you'd have a home leg and an away leg. It was two legs, like Champions oh, League yes. or whatever. Oh, so yes, 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 yes. We... Um, <laughs> Yeah. We, so it's the buzzer beater by Shane Collin, was it? This is it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we for the people that don't know, we beat Marion by 31, I think it was, on a Sunday in the Mardike with like about 30 people there. Um did really played really well, whatever. And then we I suppose we kind of take it for granted. But Yanis, being a genius that he is, makes a couple of uh, different rotations and um starts a different couple of players and they came out with four guards and they're American and they just just up and down, up and down. And next thing we know, we're kind of 17-4 down and we're chasing our tail, but we're playing like not to lose by 30 or not to lose by 31, let's say. Oh, um, and the next thing we know, of, like it's half time, we're down 15, down 16, and then they make another run in the third quarter. And um, yeah, I just remember, what I remember from that game outside of Shane's shot was just inbounding the ball, like inbounding the ball and either own basket. They just, they couldn't miss. Um, so yeah, there's whatever it is. I think going Chubb is at the line. And there's about six seconds to go. Um, second free throw rims in. He scores this. So we're down 32, I think it was. Um, so you're down, you're down one on aggregate, is it? D- yeah, down two on aggregate. It might even be right, counter, right, I think. Right, yeah, right. I think so. Um, <laughs> so we actually, yeah, we were. I think we needed a three. To, uh, if, if it was a two, it would have went into overtime. Mm. So Shane, like, he's bouncing up and down the court as he's done whatever, a year in, year out, and just pulls this Connor, and I'm not just saying it because he's here, he's ridiculous defence, and Barry Drum sprints across to challenge him, but Shane is just, like, just, I don't know, jumping out the sideline off an incredible step back, as Shane Collin only could do, um, and he knocks it in, the next thing we're celebrating, but the, it's funny, the camera goes to the scoreboard, and it's like 98-68, and we're on 68, but we're the ones that are shouting and roaring and screaming, and yeah, it was that was definitely the most ridiculous thing I've ever been a part of. Um, <laughs> so I think the following year they had it again, but we didn't make the same mistake. We actually played Kilester in that quarterfinal, and uh, we didn't make the same mistake where we didn't show up the second day. Uh, but since then, actually, it's been the once off. Yeah, it, it's interesting because even like the the Kilester game that Kieran's talking about, that 
you actually got the scares in the earlier rounds of the two cup wins because the two cup finals were very yeah. like we played you in one year that we were very lucky to be there. We didn't have a good enough team, and you played. I think Inter was the other one. Uh, the yeah, first in, year, Inter. So. They was there probably first and only time. I think that was their last year. Maybe yeah. maybe they played the following year. Um, but yeah, they were they were lopsided, but it was very like I felt like my first year. My first year in the league it was almost like our name was written on the cup with the way we won on the Friday night against Colester being, I think it was 17 down, 15 down, going into the fourth. Um, and then obviously that's Shane Collins shot in the previous round as well. So it, it just might have been written for uh, for Shane and Nyland Collins at that, at that year. Adrian, you, you talked about, obviously you had good pedigree coming through with Bell and Collig. Um, then you're on that, you come on to that Demons team, which was an exceptional group. Um, but you're someone that was referenced we, we were talking quite a bit earlier about how many guys develop you know in their mid-20s and, and you were kind of cited you as someone who has like you decided to go abroad then for a couple of years to play just because a lot of guys you know would just maybe just i am what i am i'll stay at home um just talk to us about what 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 influenced that decision to go and play abroad um Colin, Kyle, Shane, Niall, all of their, um, you know, their experience and what, you know, kind of just edging me, not edging me out the door, but like selfishly, I suppose they wanted me to play with Demons, but they kind of knew, they kind of knew where I was at. Um, I had just finished my Masters um, and then Ballon Colleg were on the up, but they were playing National League and, you know, not to be arrogant or anything, but I was, you know, just coming into my prime and there was a choice, is it, do I go down National League and play with Kieran or, you know, can I can I trust them to to build their way up and do the heavy lifting before they get to Super League? Um and I just I was always kinda curious. I was always quite like how far could I like where could I push the boundaries? Um, you know, I, I know Kyle was always half interested and he went away for a little bit and came back and then Colin was uh Colin was always on about it that I could be a guinea pig in the BBL or something like that. And um it was just perfect timing and Alan Keane from uh, who was originally from Tree, I'm sure you know him. Um, he was coaching in Reading Rockets at the time and he reached out just to see how I was and what I was up to. And um, He actually spoke to me a little bit about Trey Pemberton, who had just played two years in Tralee. Um, so we both signed the same week to play in Reading. And I just, yeah, it was it was kind of perfect timing, really. Um, had I hung on another year or two in Demons or went to Ballincollig, I don't think I would have probably not. I wouldn't have become the player I am now, I suppose, really. Um yeah, it was just, there was a bit of luck. It was a bit of just me being curious, you know, talking to different people. I remember reaching out to Paul Dick and Jason Clean, Colin. Uh, Connor Grace was a really good sounding board for a while. And just, they said, why not? You know, just go and see, go and see what you can do. It's not like you're going to make uh, mortgage money, but it is, it is the uh, the experience, you know, and just to see how good you can really become. Um, so I did a year in, in Reading. I did a year in Germany. And then I went away and played in Le Plata two years ago before coming back. So, yeah, it's been um, it's been a really enjoyable journey. I've been extremely lucky to to um, to get where I went. But again, if I didn't come into into that demon team, I don't think I would have been able to leap across the pond then and play elsewhere. You know. So it's it's been a progression all all the way along. And what did you find was the benefit of being full time, essentially playing? in, in you know, um, their three big leagues or three big countries yeah it's, it's, Spain was definitely uh, the most challenging on my body and mentally because it was every day um, the whole I spoke about it the other day and just the short term memories 
is a huge master skill for basketball players and particularly when you're every single day like there's you could be so good on the monday and then the, on the monday evening and then the tuesday morning it's just you're playing against the same players and with the same players but you're just not at it and so learning that skill of you know just having a short-term memory and just like pushing the board out and really seeing like thinking long term like what this is going to do for me as a person not just a player um, and what I could bring back I suppose there's so much talent right now in in our league but there's so much talent coming into our league in, in the next couple of years and all the guys that are away um, it's not about the you know I need to go high division one it's the only it's the only route like I went to UCC down the road and I ended up playing professionally because I want to push the ball out so there are I, th- I felt like I was, you know, I, I ended up playing on the same team as, as Jordan Blount and I played against John Carroll and both of them left at 15. And that's not me being any bit better than them. It's just, there's, it's a different way you can go about it. Um, and yeah, I just I just think there's there's different avenues for those young boys and young girls that want to play um, and reach those levels, you know. And what is the benefit of then playing it pro, as you said? You, you were able to do it. There's different routes and you said there's different pathways now. So you didn't have to go, let's say, America. You, you, you did your degree in Cork. But then having done the degree, you and, like you could have just stayed again in, in the Super League. But what, what did you find was the benefit of playing abroad? Um, just becoming a better... I suppose playing against different, different and better players, playing with better players. You just, you just grow... You just you're challenged every day. Um, what was a hard lesson? What was a hard lesson, Adrian? Like you mentioned um, about having to have the short term memory, but like what, what what was a time where you were really tested? You you said it it, it 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 improved you as a person and hardened you. But how? Yeah. What, what, tell me about maybe what was a low moment that tested Adrian O'Sullivan? Um, not not being allowed to take possessions off was definitely one. Like over here, like defensively in particular, like you can take the odd defensive possession off because you know there might not be five all-stars or six all-stars on a team but in La Plata when I was in Spain it was like if you're not on it every single possession and I you know defensively might have been my downfall over there uh, well it was I'm not going to lie it was my downfall over there it's um you know just not being able to guard people that are six foot six on the wing and much stronger than you um and just that having to deal with that consistently it's like you're going back and you're like she's like it's if I can only play one side of the floor here like I'm not going to play um, and having to battle through that and ask questions and how am I supposed to improve as a defender? How can I get on the floor? Um, so that was definitely a real low moment. It's like every single day, like there's people just scoring on you just constantly and they're just relentless. They're trying to get their next contract. Um, so that that was definitely difficult. And um, how, and did you, just, how did you adjust it, Jim? Like, you got better uh, or you worked it out? Or... Yeah, I just got better by asking questions just particularly to the coaching staff in Spain it was like how am I supposed to guard these guys that are a whole lot bigger than me um, a whole lot taller than me like it's, can I change my angles is it my foot speed is it you know me just sagging off and not using my length or whatever so yeah there was a couple of different things and then just being tighter to my player I suppose off the ball I was I was I was over helping way too much which created long closeouts then for uh, for people who are really good shooters and much better shooters than people over here uh, so that was kind of, I got better at it. I'm, not, I'm certainly not a brilliant defender, but I definitely got better at it. Uh, so that was probably a low moment that um, that I battled through, I suppose. Well, it's just interesting, like the, I think it fits nicely into coming back to this weekend is that uh, this idea of having to guard big wings and different things. A&R are probably the one team in the country who have that kind of 
the one Irish team anyway, who have multiple big guys who they're just going to rotate of which guy wants to post somebody up. So yeah, uh, yeah very very kind of, Yeah, what what do you see with Aina? What do you like? What do you think the challenge is there for you to that you're going to have to figure out? Um, see, the thing the thing about Aina is like you look at some of their results all year. Like they've won games in you know when they score seventy five points and they've won games where they've scored ninety eight. You know, so it's like not a whole lot of teams do that. And I'm not saying they're inconsistent, but they can win. It's actually, a, it's a positive, you know. They can win a whole lot of different ways. Um, and they have multiple scorers who can get into the 20s. Uh, they're much deeper than a lot of the teams in the league. So, yeah, it's just kind of, it's understanding who's on the scouts. You know, there's some, they've had some injuries. You know, some people have come back, some people aren't back yet. There's rumours, whatever. But you have to prepare for all 9, 10, 11 guys. Yeah. Um, and you know they uh, they they're very patient. They rotate the ball very well, and um, they certainly don't rush. Particularly Josh, like he's playing at a really high level, probably the highest he's played at in the last three years, four years since he's come to Ireland. I think, um, yeah, and he's he's their engine, but he's their engine in terms of he can play slower or faster than a lot of guys that we play against. You know, so he's a massive challenge, and I think everybody ticks over when he's ticking, um, and then they just have five six guys that can catch and shoot and. They will miss six in a row and shoot the seventh, you know. Um, so we, the eighth and the ninth and the tenth and the eleventh. Yeah, really. there you go. There you go. Yeah. And, so. Adrian, Connor mentioned about how there's parallels between both clubs. You were going against each other trying to get promoted. Like there was, there was a year. I think you only last two or three games. You had to play two consecutive games, and you were beaten by them. Having had a, won the cup in the first division and had a great regular season, but you got up there then. And then last year, how do you look back at last year? Like you were the front runners for the league for so much of it. It had been if it had been a standard league, you'd have won it, but you didn't because of the playoff format. Do you look back at last year as God? That was a great first year, considering we were just coming up. It was our first year in the Super League, or was was the sense of frustrating more overwhelming? Um, first first couple of I'd probably say couple of months after the season it was more frustrating than anything else um but it's just a massive learning curve when you look back at it no it has to be a positive it's your first um it's your first time in the league you know you're trying to, it's, it is a different level of super league it is a different level to the national league and um we, we had a lot of the same players which i mean not being one of them but they, we had a lot of the same players the last couple of years um yeah and it just i, I suppose the learning curve is it doesn't matter how many games you really do win once you get into the playoffs anybody can beat anybody so we could have been whatever, 12 and 5 or 16 and 1, that was the difference. I think three by the last six games, we lost one in the actual regular season and then they go on and they just win three games in a row. So it's almost like winning, obviously you have to get into the playoffs, but then when you get into the playoffs, it's almost like winning a second cup. You just need to win three big games, you know, whether you be at home or away. And right now the league that, that we're in this season, any of those teams can do that, you know. Um, like you might say that, I don't know, Sligo or Neptune have lost four or five games each. Like nobody wants to play them in their place or at home come playoff time, you know. So it's uh, it's it was definitely a learning curve, um, but you have to take it as a positive. Like we won, we won a lot of games and we brought a lot of excitement into our town, um, you know. And yeah, you just have to. It, it is positive, you know. We're growing as a club. It's kind of six years now to this weekend since we were playing in the intermediate cup, um, actually against against UCD Marion. Um, One of the worst games of basketball that's ever happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of from that from that moment on, we kind of you know, we were like, where are we now? You know, and Dylan Corfrey is somebody I always go back to at the time. He was probably playing under nineteen schools basketball, and 
you know, he was trying to make the step up and my uncle Kieran kind of um whatever got put pen to paper and looked at who we could who we could bring in, what we could do and then Kieran and Ronan come back around and they get an American and they're next thing you know, they're beating around the bush at the top of the table and they do that for a few years and then we go up. So I think you have to take it as a positive, you know, it's been an incredible journey for our club and there's a lot of people that we have to thank for that. But um yeah, look, it's we're just really, really excited now for uh, for what's to come, and hopefully this isn't the last semi-final that uh, yeah. that we're a part of. And do you, do you think, Adrian? So one of the things that uh, like we're obviously Mariners scrapping for their Super League lives at the moment, but we almost in our club have there's almost a sense of entitlement that we are a Super League club because we've been there for whatever twenty five years in a row or whatever it is that is is part of that coming up to Super League that you almost have to build that expectation that no we are competing for trophies at the top end of this we're not just happy and you feel that like yourself and Kieran and those guys have done it and have that kind of mentality but do you think that it's taking just that extra maybe a year or so to get other people to kind of realize that they're not that far off being able to do that um yeah I think you definitely need a couple of people I think Keelan is, has been a massive help um and having Andre being at such a, a high level last year um, and even Daniel, like he he played with um, he played with Demons for three years. He's got numerous trophies as well. And I think you need four or five of those people in your group for it to filter down into the younger guys. But like Dylan, ever since he's turned twenty, he he's known nothing but winning. You know, he was like young player of the year in the national league for three years straight, and he played in all the cup finals. He started in each one of them. He guards the Americans, so he has. I'm not going to say a sense of entitlement, but he does have that like expectation of we're here to win and. Um, I don't think he would have had that if he just was straight into the Super League and you're kind of scraping for wins. And um, I, I do think it's harder to get up. It depends on your personnel, I suppose. But it might be harder to get up. It's a close call than it is to actually stay up then as well, you know. But it's easy for me to say that we're two, we're 18 months in. UCD, Kilester, Neptune Demons, you know, Vincent Sabanata for 25, 35 years, even longer. So they're the stalwarts of the league, you know, and we've got a lot to, we've got a lot to do if we're going to, if we're going to stay here, you know. But, but that is, that's the achievement of you, Adrian. Like I, I, I've often said it to your father, Francis, I remember he was coaching Demons, Billy Kelly team in the early nineties. And he was talking about, I see my future in Ballin College and where traditionally, you know, there, there wasn't a, a big tradition, you know, uh, on the South side of the river. And what Ballin College have, uh, have gone on to do is phenomenal. Like, I'd say it's nearly... Like, and I remember Kieran being bullish, we have to go, we have to keep our own, because at the time you were kind of a feeder club, two demons. You, That's you right. The That's right yeah. that, like, and Kieran's bullishness and just to say, no, this has to change. And for, what what has it made to the club going National League stroke, now Super League? What difference has it made? Um, well, I think our own, our own younger boys and girls are, are able to... To see people, you know, around around the town, around the village, that it's it's much more realistic for them. You know, it's more, we're 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 coaching those kids, and then a couple of hours later, or a couple of days later, we're playing in games that are at the highest level in in the country. You know, whereas if I was still playing the Blue Demons, like maybe the fifteen year old boy that I'm seeing, he's is he really going to go in and watch all the Demons games? Whereas it's this guy is coaching me, and then two days later, he's he's playing at the highest level. So it's. I think it's great for the younger people to aspire to. Um, it's definitely brilliant to bring in professional players like this year. John Dawson and Jose have been uh, have been incredible. You know, people. In what way? In what way? In what way? Um, just it, obviously, they're very talented players. They play both ends of the floor, but 
just as people, as as leaders, as you know, they they're they're people people if that makes sense. They just want to be around the kids and they want to help the club. They they understand, you know, our goal as a club is to involve everybody in the community. And that if we're to stay, if we're to be a stalwart in this league, we're going to need that thirteen year old in a couple of years' time. We're going to need that eighteen year old in another couple of years' time to like we can't just be this one hit wonder. Um, and I think that's where Kieran, and my uncle and and my dad as well. Um, they are coaching the 18s all the way down to the under nines, um, and then we're getting more and more voluntary volunteers um, that are that are really trying to help us, and they can see the vision. And um, so, yeah, it's but it takes all of that and more for us to to remain in the Super League, you know. Yeah, well, look, uh, Adrian, that's it's an exciting long term project, but there's also obviously a really exciting short term goal at the end yeah. of this week. Yeah. So. Uh, Look, best of luck in your first uh, cup semi-final back with Emporium Cork basketball, and hopefully it's a, an amazing occasion for the club. And you're looking forward to coming to Dublin in a couple of weeks' time to try and uh, lift the trophy for the first time. So yeah, best of luck. That's it. Cheers, man. Thanks, many lads. Appreciate Bye, it. Thank you. Oh, Cheers, nice. lads. Bye, It's uh, it's an exciting one, Karen. It's uh, we Marion certainly. Uh, for the, the years before we had come into Super League, uh, the Packlover, Gary Edge kind of era, when they come up from National League, for some reason, they just couldn't get by a, cu- a cup quarterfinal for years. They just kept losing games, even though they were quite talented. And uh, mm-hmm. that first cup semifinal, it was uh, the the Tralee one on national TV. We, like, I still remember a lot of the game. Kind of, it was an exciting thing. And then... As you build towards that and get to your your club's first cup final, it's it's just it does bring so much energy into everything that's going on about the place. It kind of it valid not validates, but gives a lot of volunteers. Actually, energy like, I mean, look, I mean, when you won in twenty eleven, it, it's one of the great cup moments. You know, like it was against the head. That was what we were saying about that demons Kilester dominating for that seven year stretch. Someone like yourselves came in and. Just how huge. I remember looking at someone like Fran Ryan that day, you know, just like how much he's put into basketball. And Marion have been, you know, standard bearers in the 70s, etc. Maybe missed out on a lot of the heyday of the 80s as such, you know, while they were part of the scene, wouldn't have been up there for top fours, etc. I remember 86, all right, they, they, they should probably have got to a cup final that year. But that, there was that gap. And then... But for you to win that, and it, it is massive because you said trying to get that, there's different thresholds because like I'm actually for the paper on Saturday interviewing the, I interviewed Gillian Hayes. I know her two daughters are obviously playing now with Wildcats and with, with the Irish under 20s and on the senior panel, um, Sarah and Kate Hickey. And it was just even with talking to Gillian, like Wildcats, were a team that had different when they came along in the late 80s with that nucleus off of Gillian and, and Michelle Maguire, coached by the great Jerry Fitz. You know, they ate, they got into a top four, but then for them to try and do something to win a league, it took them four or five years. And even after they were winning leagues regularly, they, they kept falling short in cup semi finals and finals and underperforming drastically, a bit like, like that great star team. You know, with Fulton Maguire and coached by Danny, like they never won a cup. Like the amount of semi-finals and finals, we're on about Shane Call and winning free throws. He did it against them as well, and in, in one of the most bizarre endings to a cup. <laughs> game, <laughs> you know, and 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 like so, the, the amount of times they lost cruelly. They they they. You're on about the 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 demons game. I remember it was famously 
the first of Denny Notre Dame's a cup quarterfinal, as you said, can often be the final. And 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 Star were twenty seven up on Notre Dame in a cup quarterfinal, in and and they lost. Notre Dame famously came back and went on to win four cups in a row, beating Star regularly in either that quarterfinal or the semi a semi final. And for all these great teams, like it took till ninety eight when they had won four leagues in a row for Wildcats finally to get through. They'll be the twenty fifth anniversary team in two weeks in the arena. But actually, now we have it where Wildcats. It's been twenty years since they last won a cup, but they're they're back now in the semi final this weekend, and um, that will be uh, obviously themselves and Calister will be an interesting one. But I suppose the glamour game is Trinity, Trinity Meteors against DCU. Um, that that like that is the standout game for a neutral, possibly over all. The grades and obviously we have a lot of underage games which we'll preview more for the finals but um the, the trinity meteors dcu game is we have obviously dcu have been a it's so consistent over the last 15 17 years it's unbelievable along with now meteors are looking to they seem to be that they're looking to join there hasn't been a big three i guess since ul dropped back six or seven years ago glamire and dcu have always been there so this is a massive, they've done one part of it, as in beating uh, Glenmire down in Neptune. DCU is going to be, like, it's a massive game for both teams. Like, wh- where do you see that one? Where where would you be um, towards? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, uh, you you look back at the, the league so far, Trinity Meteors have only lost one game, and it was to DCU. Um, I, Meteors have... Uh, have a really now they they didn't have Dana Finn when they lost that game, but uh, me, meteors donation between Claire Melia and their American Taborn or Taborn, who nobody in the league is capable of matching up with them size wise. But the one, uh, well, sorry, nobody except for one team, and that one it's team DCU. is is DCU. And uh, DCU's downfall uh, so far this season, they've lost three games and it's just been scoring wise, but. Uh, Mark Ingle brought in a new American the week before Christmas. Uh, she had 20 in their last game there. So there's it, it's set up to be a, a really, really interesting game. And uh, it, it goes back, I think, to some of that, even the stuff we were talking with Adrian there, of that sense of just we expect to be here kind of thing that DCU have been there for the last couple of years. They expect it. And Trinity... The club overall, Meteors as a club, haven't won the Cup since 96, but then you flip that on its head and you say you have someone like Claire Amelia who won the Cup last year, was the MVP of the Cup, and she fully expects to, and I'm sure Dana Finn expects the exact same. And, um, I, we were fortunate enough to have um, another guest joining us, and it's it's Emer Martin from, uh, from Meteors. Um, Emer, you're very welcome. Thanks, Emil. Thanks for having me. Good to have um, you. So, this is a new stage for for meteors as a club. It's kind of come around in. Uh, you've kind of had a roller coaster journey for the last couple of years. That you pushed pretty high uh, in in the league, probably with third. I, I think the year Owen Chubb coached, and uh, it looked like you were on the cusp of kind of making a breakthrough. And then there's a couple of down years that followed it. And uh, and now you're right back there, sitting nicely atop the league at Christmas and uh, heading into a cup semi-final with DCU. How has it all kind of come about? And what's the excitement like in, in Meteors? 
Yeah, I suppose it's interesting because obviously few up and down years, draft down to D1, we got back up quick. So that was kind of the goal. But I suppose having joined with Trinity a few years ago, it's obviously, uh, I suppose, any any type of kind of where there's two organisations come together, there's going to be teething issues. But definitely, I think you see now that uh, still not perfect, I would say, but we're definitely getting in the right, going in the right direction towards kind of the setup that DCU Mercy would have out in DCU. But uh, no, look, I think, as you've said, kind of the Claire Amelia effect this year is massive. And like, not only has she won the cup last year, but the year before that, there was no cup. But the year before that, they actually beat us in the Division One National Cup. So she personally is going for three in a row, which is special for an individual. But um, I think they it's kind of an interesting team in that, like, they don't blow teams away. They kind of know their limits and are happy living on the edge in a way like we saw it at the weekend. Uh, Couldn't have been closer against Mystics, but definitely they kind of play, like, keep it close. And at the same time, though, Claire can just turn it on and really kill a game for you, even if it's only by three points, but she really does. There's definitely Claire Mealy effect. So there's a Claire Mealy effect and. You, you spoke there, Emer, about the link between Trinity and Meteors. So just for outsiders who mightn't be aware of it, and obviously it has become quite common, and as you referenced, DCU Mercy Mark with Mercy linking up with DCU. Connor, obviously, with Marion linking up with UCD in the early noughties. Just talk to us, first of all, so like a lot of us would know Meteors as being, you know, a powerhouse in, in the 80s. And then consistent through the nineties, won it in ninety six. Talk to me about, let's say, Emer, your own involvement, getting in with involved with the club, and uh, where it's where its base traditionally has been, and then the link with Trinity. Yeah, so I suppose uh, Pat Clark would have really kicked things off for us, and would have been based in Naval of GA Club there in Sandyford. Um, I suppose we haven't got the luck. Uh, that Father Matthews have where they have their own arena now. It's very, especially South County Dublin, you know, you're very much spread out trying to get hours wherever you can in whatever gym you can. And I suppose me growing up, like I think I started Super League when I was 15 or 16. It was kind of the done thing, especially for us in meteors. You know, we didn't, we had kind of come through that where we had superstars, as you said, in the 80s, 90s, like unbelievable teams. But I suppose we didn't really have that. We maybe weren't drawing in the country players that other teams could pull in through scholarships. So it was very much, I suppose it was nearly a developing club in a way, like we were back to blooding young players, 16, 17-year-olds, and they probably stayed there for 15 years. You know, like there was a big exodus kind of when we got back to Super League, there was very much a big exodus of the old and then bringing in the new. Um, We would have gone from Olaf's then. We're out of Olaf's altogether now. We're kind of spread across Rosemont, Theresians, Closh, Eastcon, Closh to Owen, which would be where we pull it all up, not anymore, actually, but we used to pull a lot of players from Closh Eastcon 
during Marie O'Toole's reign. Um, and I suppose now, well, we just, we couldn't compete. You know, like there was always, we knew we needed that link. We knew we were jealous of UCD Marion down the road. They had that link. UCD was right there. We couldn't offer the scholarships. We couldn't, we had no like carrot to dangle in front of the best players in Ireland to be we're like, t- we're, t- we're, we're talking about email, the girls who might be coming up from the country. Yeah. Like, who are, like, like, I mean, obviously, like you had Edel, Dana, and Claire right away, like three yeah. starters with the national team. Like, so th- th- there's been that link. And uh, oh, what else? What what other way? What uh, the scholarship is a factor. What else is the attraction or the, uh, the that the link with Trinity has offered? Well, I suppose not only has it attracted the girls from like down the country, but we're also able now to actually give media's players scholarships to develop them. Like I know myself, I went to DCU when I first left school because I was sort of like nearly frustrated with UCD that I can't go there, play my sport and be supported playing my sport there. So I went to DCU initially. Whereas now it's a local enough university. It's a university that would many of our girls would be looking to hopefully maybe go for go to anyway, so they can stay in the area and get a scholarship. So I think there's God, there was five or six scholarships this year. So it's now attracting not only the Dana Finns, the Sarah Kennys of the world, but also we have up and coming players. And we've two of them this year on scholarship, but like the next few years, we've some really excellent underage players that hopefully it's an option for them to stay and stay with Trinity Meteors rather than be looking elsewhere for a better offer. I think one of the things that we found certain so we were, we may be the first club. I'm not sure, Karen, you might know better, but uh, we were certainly one of the first clubs. I think it was 98 was our start with UCD. So um, and I think one of the things that it brought about for our club certainly was almost having, because there's somebody else involved, an external group who have now some sort of input on your Super League program, it automatically raises the standard because you are, have to kind of justify what you're doing a little bit. And I think Super League clubs who operate by themselves just as a pure club it can sometimes be hard to naturally raise that standard just another step or two. You can get to a certain level, but just taking that next little step or two may sometimes require having an external person going, why are we going to give you three scholarships? What are you doing that warrants us supporting you in that way? And you have to look at your program in a different way than you probably previously had to. And it's one of the things that certainly uh, it drives it forward. Because I think People, when they look at it uh, around the country, the vast majority of clubs now have it, and they probably lazily look at it as just uh, that just means an American or two who are on scholarship. And that's uh, it. But, but as you said, it's it's a high performance mindset. Like I like I, I worked with in, with the performance coach and sports psych head, and I, I worked quite a bit with James Weldon and that great UL Huskies team. And there's no doubt the link with UL, and that was driven by DCU and what they were doing. I remember they beat us um, in a cup quarter final and I remember us being stuck in the snow that day and we just said, you know, like, are we tapping into the resource that's UL as much as... Uh, so after that, that team just became 
absolutely high performers while there wasn't a national team and, and just tying in with the expertise there. You had Keen O'Neill was based there at the time. Keen came in, A. Collin, Dr. A. Collin was involved with the Mayo footballers at the time. And I could say that that team were at a level where the Cork ladies footballers were at the time. And, and so were DCU. Um, and Glanmire then, you had obviously Glanmire with exceptional talent being homegrown and you had players who were going to Cork universities. So as you said, it's the carrot off because, because you know, a lot of girls, let's say, like you had with UL or you traditionally have had this through the years, let's say a, a, a girl from Kerry either to go on to Dublin, you know, a lot of the Dublin teams would have, the Maureen Neal Lions, Eilish Neal that would have played with Navara, let's say, and a lot of those girls were gravitating, let's say, to a Limerick. Like, A, there was the scholarship, but the, the high performance, like a Louise Galvin. Louise Galvin is a high performer athlete, like Emer, who's played multiple sports. Is basketball offering, and, and that's what a, a link with a college could give you. And you're seeing it all across the board. And so, yeah, it, it's been huge. And Emer, just speaking of your own path, Emer, you, you had challenges. Um, you played multiple sports. And, and it's great to hear you use the word we with meteors it still is, is, is huge to your core but you, you you're not able to play at the moment T tell us Emer, just a bit about your i suppose your own challenges and like you're still phenomenally involved in sport and you're golfing now just just tell us about you know your own journey over the last few years yeah i suppose i had i sort of came through the like basketball during the time where funding was cut, not ideal. Uh, so I kind of hit 18 and all of a sudden where I thought I was going to get a summer away uh, at a Europeans, I was all set, you know, I just played up under James Weldon the year before. So kind of that nearly brings you on an awful lot, you know, when you're playing up and confidence wise, developing, playing with better players. So I was all set to go into another summer of European basketball and uh, the funding was cut. So like I'm probably overly competitive and like probably too much at times, but I was automatically, I was like, right, well, what next? I can't just rest my laurels here really. So I was very lucky. I was back playing uh, Gaelic football with Volunteer St. John's and uh, the Dublin assistant coach was down at one of the games. So got in playing football with them, was playing with Lindsay Peach. So it was kind of great, good because I would have gone from having great battles with her against her against in DCU to actually having, again, more battles, but on her own team. So, uh, but then it, we won the All-Ireland that year in 2010, but 2011, I was hoping to kind of, grow more into that team and I was actually diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome so it was sort of a very sudden halt I suppose to my basketball and football um and there's a few Imer, where did you get the sense that you, that you like you got what were the the symptoms you were getting at the time that something's a bit off here yeah well just it was kind of just sheer exhaustion like uh but i remember we were we were doing a sprint session with the dublin team and just i did one and it was like kind of warm up and then sprints and just did one sprint and i was like god i can't do this anymore and like at you know 
20 years of age, it was definitely getting me a fright, especially after the last, like, kind of years of playing, high, like, high-level sport, Europeans, whatever. Um, so had to pull off that, and then all of a sudden I was kind of became very ill uh, very suddenly. So I would have been in bed kind of, well, 24 hours really, uh, mom would have played a massive role in just waking me to get me to the bathroom, get me showered and get me fed. And then it was back to bed. But like she still tells stories of kind of nearly where I she'd bring me down to the couch for kind of an hour or two just for a change of scenery, I suppose. But um, kind of nearly having conversations with nearly a corpse on the couch. So just, I suppose, frightening, frightening for her as well. She would have been a sport, like sports person, very good hockey player. So to see me go from kind of top level elite sport to not even being able to get out of bed was probably a fright for all of us. I was very lucky then again, mom kind of pestering people up in the golf club, I think got in with uh, Aina Falvey out in Santry Sports Surgery Clinic. And I was very lucky he was in with Irish Rugby at the time and just really like was really lucky that because uh, I'd been to a rake of doctors and I was kind of saying, being told, take a rest, take a rest, you'll be fine. And finally he diagnosed me. It's kind of notoriously hard to diagnose. I suppose it's come up again now recently because it's actually very similar to symptoms of long COVID and they're treating it the same way. So it's kind of interesting now because when you see long COVID studies or I'm reading about them, it's very similar. Um, so yeah, it was a very abrupt halt. I managed to get back after three years. It was probably quicker than Aina expected anyway. And I went to Loughborough. I knew I couldn't stay in Dublin. I knew if I was in Dublin, I'd go back playing Super League straight away and it'd be too much. So I had was very fortunate to get to go to Loughborough University in England, which was an like it's an incredible sports college, but it meant what did I you study there anywhere? What did you study there? Uh well, I was sort of bouncing around a little bit. I was doing Erasmus. So was I studying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I was studying getting back to basketball. Uh, no, it's well known for sociology. So I went over mm -hmm. for the year and it was sort of one of the only universities I could go for a full year rather than six months. Mm -hmm. So it really gave me the opportunity to inch my way back. I was playing the seconds team. I could kind of tell them, look, this isn't a runner. This is a runner. I can't do that. Can't do that. But then by... January I was kind of back way better and their first team coach uh Matt Harburn who's now with the men's the Leicester um, Leicester Riders what is it Riders yes uh he's with that back with them now but he called me into their first team so and that was the year we won varsities and we won the books over in England as well so it's sort of Came full circle much quicker than expected, but it was a relief definitely to get back and wasn't 100%, but sort of got back in, ended up playing sevens for Ireland for a while, just sort of 
trying to <laughs> nonchalantly just throw that in. Uh, <laughs> it was Connor. She, I was playing tag rugby with Connor, and he just got me so good that I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> My, we had uh, a, a tag rugby team with the uh, Marion and Meteors team that effectively was just trying to throw around the back passes every week. That was yeah. that was the goal. It, it, it didn't really count as a try unless you threw it around the back pass. We joined with UCD for scholarships, so we joined with Marion for tag rugby. Yeah, there you go. Ivar, uh, uh, how, how are you now? Uh, it's funny, I kind of didn't really like I remember Kev Foley actually when we played tag would have always kind of joked like oh lazy legs is here so I never like I would have always kind of joked that it never spoken about the full extent of it until very very recently like kind of a few months ago and then I obviously poked the bear because I actually had I think they call it a relapse but I'd rather like a flare-up or something but so I actually have had a rough few months, but I'm actually just coming out of it now again. Um, so I'm playing Division One basketball and sort of managing it, playing a bit of Gaelic as well. But just I very definitely have to manage my load now much more, I suppose, so, like much more than I ever would have before. But as I suppose get older, it's even more and more about load management. But you, you can you want to keep playing sport it's it's just that you don't overdo it but it's like it's not a recommendation to give up sport it's it's still best for you holistic you know, everything to keep playing no sport. so that's why i was actually misdiagnosed uh numerous times at the very start with overtraining but they can't actually diagnose it until you're sick for six months so that they actually know that that's actually what it is because it's kind of long-term thing um so yeah they actually when I went to see Aina Falvey he was like the worst thing you can be doing is sitting at home sitting in bed because your muscles are just getting weaker and weaker whereas it was nearly like having to retrain my body so like mom would have been on the kind of the course with me really like it was very much I walked to the bottom of the garden and back for two weeks. I walked to the corner and back for two weeks. If the first initial two weeks went okay, if anything didn't go okay, I had to work backwards. So it was it was very much walking 20 meters, walking 50 meters. Like, so it was like going from, it's just funny because I would have been training out in Port Marnock, 6 a.m. gym sessions in DCU, with the dubs and then all of a sudden I'm walking to the bottom of my garden and back like it was a very in like just stark difference and it, and it, it wasn't overtraining anymore it's just a condition is it no it wasn't overtraining uh that's I suppose because I was doing so much they thought because I was playing super league basketball the year I was playing with the dubs as well and that was Meteors had actually moved to Greystones that year. So I was in DCU training Ga in Port Marnock and then over with Dave Biggins to Greystones. So that I didn't see, help. I that didn't help. But no, and I see where the overtraining, like they might have thought that, but uh, once it went over six months and once it just was going on too long, they knew it couldn't have been that. And Imer, just uh, I, your your Kev Foley comment kind of triggered something in my own head yeah. because 
like we're obviously close, but I had no I read the article a couple of months ago and I had no idea of kind of the extent of what it was. And how difficult is it to have to navigate something like that where people don't you're the people closest to you see it all, but not yeah. everybody sees it all. And especially when you're in a prime age to be competing and playing at the top level, and people were always kind of like, Why isn't Emer playing Super League? Or why why is this? And yeah. it's just it's not something you want to get into with people all the time, but how how tricky is that to kind of navigate where it's kind of like this this is there, but people don't really yeah. know what's going on. Well, I suppose even just straight away as a sports person, like straight away, you're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, automatically, even if you're injured, anything like if it's a roll of the ankle, you're kind of like, I'm like, you want to be competing. So I would say outside my immediate family, no one saw it. Like not no one saw it. People were aware there was something going on, but even chronic fatigue syndrome in itself is a bit of a, like, it can affect people differently. Same way with long COVID, it can affect people slightly differently. So like, it's very much a, oh yeah, like, yeah, she's tired, you know, like it, it's very difficult. And I suppose I really didn't speak about it at all. Even aunts, uncles wouldn't have known the extent of it or, and probably no, no one knew the amount my mom did for me. Uh, and probably not even me because there were things she was telling me recently when I asked her about it because I was like mom I'm gonna have to have a conversation with you if I'm to talk about this and there was stuff she said I was like god don't remember that but like even still and I I actually got upset when we when I did the article and when I spoke about it because my brain and even my body like I'm so I can do that I can do that. Like still, I'm like, I want, I should be playing Super League. This is so annoying. But I know I just don't have, not the ability anymore. I don't want to say that, but like body won't allow, you know. The capability can't. probably, what, what, yeah. What, what is the outlet of playing, let's say, local Division 1? Like, uh, well, yeah. Which is still a decent level. Yeah, um, I've actually only just been promoted now. I'm player coach all of a sudden. Wow, <laughs> <But> God. <laughs> It's grand. I play seconds down in Croaks. I play uh, like the D1. It, it's a decent standard. It's good run around. But I suppose when you come from Super League, when you come from being beaten by Glanmire in the semi final, like you mentioned the players that are there. And there's obviously people like Sarah Kenny, who's also an Irish international and came from Glanmire. Um, but like this team, you'd love to be oh, playing with it. What? Yeah. Like I'm doing, I'm doing their media, so I stream the games, commentating the games, and like I'm actually glad I'm commentating and streaming the games because otherwise I'd nearly be too invested. I'd be like tugging out, I'd say. But uh, no, like the team they have, like you couldn't wish for better. Do you know if you were to pick? a few of the players that are bouncing around the place at the moment. And even the next year or two, some of the girls going to come into that, like Ashing Moran, Connor, I'm sure you've. Yep. Poor sister. Ashing Moran, like for her to be on her way into that team, it's really a special group. And um, even you have Ella, Ella O'Donnell, who is just, who would have been yes. at that group, who's gone over to Quinnipiac and she's yeah. done really well in a, as a freshman over there. So and, and there's a good, and there's good underage, right? I think the one under 16 yeah, I mean, last year. They're in 18s like, this year. Probably like maybe a year or two gap where 
hasn't quite been the strength that you would hope coming through. But kind of 16, 17's extremely, extremely strong. Uh, Seamus would have had that 17's team when they were under 11 and then I took the team under and there's some just like major talent but mass like workhorses who are going up and down to Puff Summers in Kilkenny during the week for trainings like it is not normal the group that's coming after them as well so it's just exciting not only to have Claire Melia, Dana Finn, Sarah Kenny, Neve Kenny like an amazing group there now and then the likes of Rebecca O'Keefe who is an incredible leader and like really is the glue I think to that keeps them together and even just brings a bit of fun bit of lightness to it and then also chips in on the court but to have that group there but then also a very exciting kind of youth program following it up is exciting with with a club like we, so there's obviously so many parallels between Marion and me there's their yeah. sister club or whatever else it would be but one of the things that I think we struggled with for a while was that and we still struggle with it is that um nobody there's there's me and you and I, people like us who know the history of our own clubs but the wider base have no idea so if you said an Angie McNally playing yeah. for Meteors it's like so alien to so many people of uh, like the, the idea that I, ju- I just find it so interesting that the parallels of particularly Dana and Angie are like, they're so similar in terms yes. of what, uh, like, yeah, it's just like, like it the, way they, they wa- the way they walk the way they walk around. Too. Aren't they? And like play like real cut into the basket, you know, like, cause that's actually why I think media struggled at the weekend is that Dana was having to bring the ball up. Whereas actually you want her cutting and you want someone else to bring the ball up and then get her on the run, which is exactly so similar to Angie McNally. But definitely there is that nearly like lost generation in a way. Like we've Karen Hennessy still coaching in the club, Amory Kind still coaching in the club, involved in the club. Like these people who are incredible basketballers, the girls playing, I would imagine probably none of the girls playing realize you know so I suppose that maybe is the one little drawback at the moment but I think that is what will change in a few years when you've more not like proper meteors girls who've come up through the club the same way actually uh UCD Marion you know is it Josh Gillerin? which uh or is it like these uh, kids who are like yeah, Luke. Luke, Luke, yes. So, like, you have people who are coached by ex-players, you know, and maybe they don't realise, but actually, maybe they don't realise that Karen Hennessy is the Karen Hennessy that you would read about in articles. But yeah. she coached you at under 14 and she brought you on and she got you on a Dublin team. So, I think they probably have realised that their roles have changed. Like, I think Amory Kine was the regional coach last year and they won down in UL. So maybe they don't see them as maybe me who was sitting front row at the Super League games. I was like, oh my God. But they see them as, well, that's my under 14 coach who brought me from being a B player to a Dublin player or whatever it is. Yeah. No, there, there is that. that. That's been a thing. And I guess we were saying there, Connor, when 
you know, the, the cup move to Cork in 2010, there, there was a conscious effort a bit more within the sport to tap into that tradition and legacy that, that the sport had and, and clubs had, you know. So I, I thought it was a great thing. Like the Hall of Fame yeah. uh, has been revived. That scheme has been revived. And the first inductee into it was Siobhan Caffrey, you know. Um, but you do often have players from a, a certain vintage uh, while we have a certain appreciation and you and I have each done a book on the, on the history of the sport, but it's, it's not quite like the J where there's that understanding of the lineage, but I, I think so, where a club like Meteors are, um, you can't live on past glories, you know, um, but by the same token, I, what I, I think now they seem to have a really good blend of modernizing the club and it's still there in the DNA. As you said, Karen Hennessy is still there in yeah. the club, still tapping in. And um, I do think I do think we, we started this segment out um, just as Emer was joining us with, I, I, I think Meteors could be on the verge. This, this is, DCU are just trying to win a, another cup in its own right, but there's also trying to keep this crowd down because... It could be a breakthrough cup if 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 if, if Trinity Meteors win this, they, they could be here for the next four to five years at least. It could it could be longevity. Like and they they have a tradition then of because it does often happen when a team gets on a roll. You saw it with Demons out of the league, and then when they were back, they just yeah. know how to win. And I I think there is that DNA along well, with. Our- I think success breeds success. Like, who else is going to come knocking on the door because we've Claire Melia playing for it? You know, like, so what What 18-year-old country girl is going to come and say, well, put their hand up and come knocking on our door, which we have never had. You know, we mm. were never the first option. It was UL, it was DCU. We were not an option. Whereas to put ourselves in that little trifecta and become an option is incredible. And Emer, last question before we let you go is where will you be on Saturday afternoon and what are you expecting to see? I was debating going down to Cork, but I'll actually be home watching my basketballireland.tv ready to go. <laughs> uh, no, like definitely I'll be tuned in anyway. It'll be interesting. Like even it's funny that you say that Meteors could be the breakthrough team because actually for Waterford Wildcats, Miriam Liston's actually playing for them, who would have been on that breakout UL team. Is Miriam back there? Yeah, he's down streaming a few weeks ago. I was like, Miriam. So, like, it's funny even to see her now with Wildcats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, like, definitely I'm looking forward to seeing the Wildcats game as well. God, I thought they were an impressive team when I saw them play. And sort of, as we discussed, like, a lot of homegrown girls and an impressive team really athletic so i'm interested to see how they'll do because actually it's some of their irish girls really stand stand out so it'll be interesting how that goes up against kind of cluster where mimi clark and their two americans are very much uh they're the top three scorers i think week in week out so it'll be interesting to see that clash Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There's a few really interesting things to watch for. So, Emer, thanks a million for coming on. And especially for, I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to share some of the, that story, but it is. we do really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people appreciate how much you've kind of let them in on what's been going on for the last while. So 
hopefully it's a happy and healthy 2023 and we might have to revive uh, M&Ms and get down yeah, to Yeah, we'll have to give it another go. There's a World Cup <laughs> coming upon it. <laughs> get yourself in. Thanks a million, Eamon. Lovely Thanks, to meet you, Eamon. See you, thank you. It's, uh, Karen, it's uh, fascinating kind of hearing the, the story, but uh, I think over the last couple of years when you've seen scholarship players come into teams, um, I think people of maybe the Swords Thunder model, which was kind of full scholarships, but no underlying kind of support structure. And I think what you're hearing from media is there and you're seeing it with some of the other teams is that the scholarship structure can be very successful, but it can only really be successful if you have the spine of the club there to kind of support it and to grow into it so that you can do this for a couple of years, bring people in, but that it has to be infused with your own club players if, if it's ever going to be sustainable. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's, it's a huge challenge for basketball in general. Like we're talking about the cup, the amount of cup t- clubs that have won the cup and been gone within two or three years, not even in existence anymore. It's it's quite a it's quite a list. Um, and as you said, it's that trick of getting that balance between and 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 and, and Trinity looked like meteors looked like they have it. Like obviously DCU Mercy um, started out like that. I, I remember distinctly when they won their first under 19 cup against Juliet Murphy, Dunnick Moore, Dami Mullins coaching them, Vanessa Burke and then that crowd won it. And then like so that started with the Ingalls in a small program linking up with DCU and Ken Robinson. Look what they've become. Like 25 years later they're able to do it. And it's 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 getting that balance between um both to have that and like we've touched on it a good bit there about the benefits of having a, another body who have multi, like you take a DCU, like they strategically decided we're prioritizing four or five sports here, like tennis, like athletics, like Sigerson football, basketball was another one they went after, you know, and then the likes of the, the ladies football kicked in, but they, they were strategic about it. And you need to have a strategy because yes, because what we've seen here is sustained success. Like, like the two standard bearers still are Glanmire. I know they're not the the last two meteors in the cup, but they're nine and one in the league. Like what they have done for now, they, they've been basically twenty years now at the top table. So of DCU, and um, for it to be sustainable, you need both that, as you said, that feeder uh, along with you know, an institution like that with a third level between the scholarship and the facilities and expertise. So yeah, Trinity Meteors look like they're geared, but it's amazing how it also can, you know, you do have players who you wonder, are are they going to be there in a year or two as well? Absolutely. So, so success, you get success. So that's why this game is potentially a watershed game. It could, it could be one of those games where you look at historically, you know that was that game was a tipping point. So again, DCU are, are just thinking of winning their next game. But someone like Mark, who knows his stuff, might be in the party of shame. Oh, let's give them such a beating that we put them back for five years because it is a game. I, I could see Meteors becoming a monster if they if they were to go on and win this cup. Yeah, no, it's certainly a possibility. Uh, I think the one of the interesting things. Certainly, when you look at the combination of the semi-finals across the Super League, is you have a few different clubs now who are 
either about to win uh, are about to be in the cup final for the first time or trying to win their first cup particularly in the men's you have that then you have the likes of Vincent's in the men's who haven't won since 94 Wildcats haven't won since I think 2001 Meteors 96 so there's uh a lot of clubs there that are either it's really only Colester and um, and DCU who've won recently in in either of the competitions. So hopefully there's a lot of freshness to it, and uh, we should have a good weekend uh, basketball. Which which game would you? Is it the Meteors game? Is the one that I think so. That's the one out? that I'm most into. I mean, look, like you know, like Aina, as we said, they've been kicking about. You know, like they've been in three less cup semi-finals this is their third consecutive without them getting over the line and as we said while Ballon are only in their second year Super League by virtue of how strong they were at the first division level the personnel like like and, and we've also spoken about the West being awake again um like the, the men you'd have to have Vincent's while they're the most history and they're the only ones with a who have actually been over the line at this level it hasn't been with any of these players that they're very much the fourth team you'd have it. Um, there's an intrigue as to, as you said, there's going to be a freshness to whoever wins it. But I, I, I'm intrigued by the, the DCU Trinity Meteors game, by the sheer number of internationals playing in it. Um, so, like, you're going to have, like we were just saying, Melia. Melia's going to be going up. You know, Hannah is going to be bumping off her. You're going to have Rachel Hodgins. You know, the two of them have been such a tandem coming all the way through. Um so that's going to be that's going to be a battle. Like a you know we're talking about passes of play, and I, I was interviewing as I said the Hickeys and Gillian Hayes is one of our great post players, and obviously like you know like obviously both Sarah and Kate, and you know particularly Sarah in, in, inside. Uh, we have we're going to see which we don't have a whole lot of the best post players, native post players are going to be on display at the weekend along with you know the Americans and the other talent that we have like we're talking about Dana and how dynamic she is so I, I, I think that's possibly the, the standout game for me of the weekend is the DCU Trinity Meteors game yeah so all, all those Super League games are on Saturday uh, if people want to watch the streams um, it's it's set up for a, a big weekend three venues 18s 20s it, if you can get down to any of them at all absolutely do particularly I think the 18s games, uh, oftentimes it's like oh, they can be I mean, they can be absolutely amazing. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm not I'm not quite on it, Connor, the way I would have been. Although I'm, I'm heavily involved in underage in in a in a basketball water back here as such. But like I remember, like traditionally, and and like you look, this this was you growing up. Like, but like I I remember, let's say in '96 '97, like in that Calester. We talked about Killester and Demons dominating at the Super League level for, you know, either side, you know, around 2007 to 2016 or so. Like the, the nucleus of that was the 10 years earlier in the Cup. Like I remember the build up when Timmy McCarthy famously had won a league with Tralee. He was coaching a Demons team that had been coached by the likes of Shawnee Murphy and, and Jasper Sullivan. And then they were coming up against a, a loaded, you know, Grinnell, Kelly. Dredge Gary, team, Gary Dredge, Dredge. like like that, t- like uh, Richardson and these boys, and 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 those games were the most anticipated game among basketball people. More than is Jenkins going to win a cup? You know, like it, 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 the, the the underage can have a fascination. I suppose for someone like myself, I tune in more when it comes to the actual final 
and we'll preview more of the underage. But it's a, it's a massive weekend. I just personally think I, I would like to see an under-18, an under-20B cup. I think it would give more clubs. Uh, I don't think there's that. I think a, a club basketball, the schools is brilliantly done, but I think a club basketball, there's a drop-off. We're, we're, grand, we're talking about the Meteors, the Marians and that. I, I think it's a deterrent to clubs trying to find up and that it'll be more open I, I think there should be they should go back to having a b cup or even a c cup um they've never had a c cup but they should definitely go back to having a b cup but you know the fact as you said like and, and i tell you and it sounds patronizing and i think we maybe should have them on some stage in the next few podcasts but i remember just watching several years that the, the, the cup finals weekend started the wheelchair basketball games are brilliant you know that's how that's how it's starting this weekend. There's it's it is such a a, a festival of basketball. Like I mean, even there, I brought a team down to Cork, and we went from playing in the hall, and we we, we went down, got a quick bite to eat, and went to the stadium. Like how close the hall and stadium are. Like it it is just such a, a carnival festival of basketball. And as you said, Glenmire has stepped in as as the third venue for this for this weekend. It, it is a it's a it's a fantastic weekend um, and while I, I know someone like myself has other basketball on I'll be watching it online um, it really is it's, it's brilliant that we have two great weekends to look forward to starting with this one and I, you know while there is only at the at the Super League level uh, Imperium Cork are the only team and I think it's massive that they are involved that there is that Cork presence there's quite a few underage teams from Cork, obviously, playing at the weekend. You know, you have Brunel, the under-18 ladies, you have Neptune. Uh, so I, I think, uh, and Demons, obviously. Like So you, you have um, the underage is, is going to be fascinating. We might zone in on that more for the final. But look, it's going to be a, a great weekend to be in the hall and stadium and, and Glenmire. Absolutely. Well, uh, enjoy the action, everybody. Uh, hopefully, enjoy, enjoy it yourself, Connor. I don't think it's possible to enjoy a game where you play against Martin's provisors. He's the opposite of anything you can ever enjoy. But, uh, I was actually talking to him during the week because uh, we were roommates when we went over to China uh, with that. To, uh, Carrick, Carrick, are, they, are they based in Carrick and Shannon? Um, yeah, up in, no, up in Monaghan. Um, Carrick, thing, right, right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and uh, I was talking to him, so he's not giving me any information, but uh, looking forward to it. But it's, uh, no, it's, it, it should be a great weekend. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoys the action and we'll be back next week and we'll try and dissect some of the stuff that went on, particularly in those Super League games. Um, so enjoy the action and we'll talk to you soon.